Welcome to the Only One Shot Golf Podcast. I'm Jim Gallagher, Jr. Special thanks to Steve Azar for allowing us to use his music. And you can find Steve at steveazar.com. Don't forget to get your copy of Only One Shot. That's available on Amazon. That was written by V.J. Trollio, the teaching professional at Old Waverly in West Point, Mississippi. And don't forget to subscribe to wherever you get your podcast. And we appreciate all our listeners over the last year and a half. It's been a lot of fun doing these podcasts. Today I have a young lady that I met about seven years ago when she was being recruited by several colleges and at the same time with my daughter Kathleen, who Kathleen eventually played at LSU. Very nice young lady, a really good player. It's been fun to watch her progress. Uh, decided to go to Ole Miss. It was a great decision for her. She's been an incredible player there. And she wrote down a few goals to accomplish in college. One to be SEC Freshman of the Year, win a team SEC Championship, be the SEC Player of the Year, and a first-team All-American, and also to win an NCAA championship. Well, let's check out her story, and we'll find out how she did in uh, accomplishing those goals. All right, I've got Julia Johnson on the phone, and welcome to the podcast, Julia. Appreciate you being with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to get on finally. I've been listening to it for a while, so it's exciting to be on today. Well, we appreciate you listening, and I've known you for gosh, seven or eight years back when you were 14 or 15 and going through that recruiting process and everything, and of course, you grew up in the Baton Rouge area, but who got you started playing and kind of who was your big influence early on in your, you know, kind of beginning years? Yeah, my dad got me started um, really young, actually. He used to own a trophy business, and he kind of made me some clubs when I was probably three years old, three or four. Um, so I started really young and then kind of started getting lessons around age six in um, tournaments, I think, eight, eight or so. Mm-hmm. So he was definitely one that kind of got me into it he drove me every day 45 minutes there and back to go practice and um he's just been a big influence and my mom and him took me all over the country when I was when I was younger so really thankful for them for kind of getting me into this game yeah you mentioned instructor so you had an instructor early on who was your instructor early on yeah so I had a few when I was young um we kind of just went with the club guy out at um Alexandria Country Club, mm-hmm. and then um, moved to kind of my first real swing coach was Craig Campo out of Oak Wing and Alexandria. And then I would say my first um, swing coach that kind of got me really playing competitively, um, like nationwide, would be Rob Noel oh, out yeah. of uh, Abita Springs. And he he was great. I mean, he took my swing from a place that really I couldn't I couldn't compete, and he brought it to a to a level it really really had never been before and kind of set me up to for the the swing instructors I see now which I've had some really awesome swing instructors um and seeing Scott Hamilton now and he's just been a blessing it's been a great year with him and so it's just been really fun Jordan Dempsey kind of started my collegiate career with me and he helped me set those goals and helped me kind of be the collegiate player I am too so I'm I'm grateful for everyone who's laid a hand on my my career so far and 
they've all helped me in, in different ways. You mentioned Scott Hamilton. Now, this is his quotes. These are his quotes, not mine, and we all know and love Scott. Oh, gosh. So just take them for what they're a compliment in a weird way, in Scott's way. But he said, I said, well, tell me about Julia. I mean, I know her myself, but tell you from your view as a, a swing instructor, he said she's a pit bull who knows her weaknesses, works hard on them, and what I love most about her is she is the person that plays the game for the score, which is what really golf is all about, not someone looking for the perfect swing yeah. that doesn't really exist. So that's pretty impressive stuff from Scott, and I think he's right, and I think that's why you've been successful. You've learned a lot from these guys as you've gone along. But you said you're, you, know, you start playing in junior tournaments. How did you pick and choose where you went and played early on? Because a lot of our listeners are parents or kids, and they kind of they don't know where to start and how to kind of get going when they get to see a child that's maybe got some potential to really want to play some golf. Yeah, I think I look back on my junior career, and there are definitely things I wish I would have done differently. Probably, uh, I think I focused on my state too much a little bit. I did a lot of state tournaments, a lot of local tournaments. I kind of didn't really expand my horizons. I went to a few like national tournaments here and there every summer, but it, nowadays, I mean, the AJGA is kind of the path you need to take. You need to be in those bigger tournaments like the Junior PGA, the U.S. Junior, those, those bigger events. And I think if I could go back, obviously I wouldn't really change anything because it led me here, but I would I would try to go and qualify for some bigger events, qualify for the USAM, qualify for the U.S. Junior, and just see where you stack up against those players because that's really where coaches go to. I mean, both my coaches right now are at the Junior PGA. So mm-hmm. if your dream is to go play D1, Power 5, golf, I mean, you need to go play in those bigger events and you need to be playing against girls who are on track to do that. And I think that that's my biggest advice is when you're young, just go find those big events. I mean, the worst you can do is learn at these events. I mean, even if you don't finish great, you go and you learn where your weaknesses are, you learn where other girls' strengths are, and you go home and you work on it. And I think that that's, if I had to redo it, I think I would have just played a few bigger tournaments. And so kind of my advice to those younger girls. Yeah, it's great advice. I, I was just about to ask what you learned. You pretty much told me that. And I think for kids, though, I think if you're winning stuff at your local level, then you go to the state level, then you go to the national level. You don't want to go in there too soon. But, yeah, if you have the idea that you really want to kind of play D1 and play at a Power 5 school, you've, you've got to get noticed. And that's what all the coaches that have been on the podcast say. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of different ways to do it. You see yourself getting better and better. You start to kind of think mm-hmm. about, hey, I'm going to play college golf. What was the process you went through to choose where you went to school? You ultimately chose uh, Ole Miss, but where did you visit? What's the advice you give to those kids out there? And, and, and like, hey, how many schools should I look at? Or what should I be looking for, uh, maybe for yourself? What did you look for in a coach in a school and maybe yeah. advise them? Yeah, I could, I could write a book on this, I feel like. I think the NCAA has done a great thing where they're not really allowing coaches and girls to commit at these young, young, young ages. And mm-hmm. I think that that's kind of – you don't really know what you want at 14 years old, at 15 years old. Even at 16, 17, it's harder to make these decisions. But as I got older, I found out that what I wanted when I was 13 and 14 was different than what I wanted at 18 years old. And so I think you really need to sit down and you need – to find a few things that are really important to you. What do you want out of a college? Do you want great coaching? Do you want a great environment? Do you want a great town? And it's a, it's a whole package. I mean, and I, I think when I was younger, I kind of made the mistake. I committed too soon to a, a great coach, a great program. But in the end, it wasn't about that. It was about me and who I was as a person. I wanted to get out of Baton Rouge. I wanted to expand my horizons and meet new people. And so 
it truly is. There's great things about every school in the SEC, I believe. But it's what do you want as a person? Do you want to grow? Do you want to meet new people? Do you want great facilities? Do you really value education? And so the advice I could give these younger girls is sit down and talk to people around you who you can trust and just find a few things that are really, really important to you and who you are. And then go find a school that can give you some, if not all, of those things. That's so well said because I I wanted you on the podcast because I know you're one of those kids and it was kind of maybe a couple years after you where that's finally just said, all right, junior year is as early as you can kind of get them to verbally commit because it is, it's a big decision. You don't know. And it's even, I think, tougher for the boys. Uh, They were doing it in eighth and ninth grade. They don't even know where their lockers are, what classes they're taking, and it's so difficult. And like you said, my advice to them a lot of times is go to a school if you never hit another shot or you were hurt or you didn't travel and you had to stay home, that you would enjoy that school. And I think that's kind of what you're hitting on. It, it, it gets to be about more than just, you know, yeah, they got a great program. They've won national championships. It's what fits you the best. And it's so well said because I think that's that happens to a lot of kids. They don't know what they really want to make that commitment early or vice versa. But uh, you get to Oxford. Coach uh, Corey Hankus is the first year there. She kind of needed a boost in the program or the boost needed a, uh, the program needed a boost and you and Kennedy Swan were that kind of that boost but what was it like your freshman year because you left home as you said from Baton Rouge you're used to being home because that's a big adjustment for mm-hmm. so many kids what were some of the adjustments you had to make as a not only an athlete but because you're a great student as well yeah I really I kind of struggled my first semester I played some good golf but mentally it was it was hard on me because you get to college and you have all this freedom, you don't really have, I mean, you have people, your coaches telling you what to do at certain times, but I found myself going to bed at 2 a.m. and had workouts the next morning at 5, and mm. it was like, I wasn't really managing my time well, I wasn't managing what I was eating, I wasn't managing my sleep, and so I think your freshman year, and this isn't to scare any freshmen, but it's going to be difficult because you really see a lot of growth that year. I grew that year more than I think I ever have, and a lot of these things you have to learn firsthand, how to manage your time, how to manage going out with friends and things like that. But freshman year was, it was difficult and it, it, and it made me grow as a person and it made me value certain things. And, but I I was so excited to be on campus. I mean, I, like you can ask anyone, I was just, all I wanted to do was get to Oxford. And so I was really, really excited about the opportunity. And um, that first year was, I mean, that first year was really difficult on us. I had friends at different colleges and I would tell them we were just a really disciplined team and we had to be because, we, we really, I mean, if you look back at our ranking my freshman year, I think we were in the 40s or 50s, and we were just really disciplined. We did things that not a lot of other teams did. We got, we had workouts that were tougher than other teams, and we needed it because we weren't, we didn't have the talent level that we do now, so we had to make up for that in other ways. So I think, and, and we've continued to be that disciplined, but we have a little bit more talent now. So I think, I think that I look back on my freshman year with a lot of gratitude and a lot of, this, I'm, a, I'm appreciative of the self-growth, but it was obviously difficult. And amongst all the difficulties was great and amazing and these awesome experiences. But it was definitely a year of growth for me, for sure. Yeah, I think you learn as a person because you, you are. You're out there on your own. You don't have your parents, you know, kind of making sure you're here or there. You've got all that free time. It's I, The best thing you said is time management because I think that's the – Toughest mm-hmm. skill to accomplish in college, in life. We all see people do it as adults. We still struggle with that. But, you know, I, I remember Mary Langdon, my oldest, that played at Mississippi State. She, I think VJ Trollio asked her, you know, what do you want to do? You want to be, you know, NCAA champion? You want to meet everybody in Starkville on the Mississippi State campus? She goes, I want to do both. And he kind of went, okay, 
But it's true. I mean, because I think you have to have a life outside of just golf. It's great to have your teammates. You love those those girls and those guys. But you got to have a life outside of that. But you have to balance that. And I think that's uh, that's the toughest part. But the team starts to play good, as you said. I think was it your freshman year you won at Old Waverly, or was that your second year you won at Old Waverly as an individual? Yeah, Old Waverly was my first win. That was my freshman year. That's what so I thought. that was a really really special. That Old Waverly has a really special place in my heart because that was that was a special week. That kind of that gave me a little confidence moving forward. That hey, I, I can play against these girls. I can. I can do this. I can beat some girls in the SEC because my my junior roster was good, but it wasn't to the caliber of some of these other girls. So Old Waverly is pretty special because it kind of validated myself and our team that hey, we, we can be pretty good if we keep working like this. Yeah, because I think they won as well. You you guys swept the, the individual and the team title, so I think that really turned yeah. it around. One thing I thought was pretty cool, and I love the fact that you're a goal setter, uh, and I, I think I've got this all in order, and you can correct me if you want, but I think some of the goals you wrote down before you went to college, you wanted to be SEC Freshman of the Year. I think you accomplished that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wanted to win an SEC, te- SEC Team Championship. We'll get to that later. You wanted to be SEC Player of the Year, First Team All-American, win an NCAA Championship. Folks, you've, done, you've pretty much done all of that, but w- how important is it to set goals, not just for you, for anybody out there? What, what, what's the reasoning for setting goals? Because some people don't think it's a good idea. They think it puts pressure on them. But for you, w- why did you set those goals? Yeah, that was a – I did that right before I got into school. Um, that was Jordan Dempsey down at TPC Sawgrass. He kind of made me sit down, and he – this is one of the first times he and I saw each other, and we, we – he just asked me, what do you want? Like, what, what do you want out of this? What are you working towards? And I think setting goals is awesome. I mean, you can think about it all day and you can think about it in your mind, but if you don't put that pen to paper, you're not really, I mean, to me, it's, it's just a, a wish and a hope. If you set a goal down, I mean, you're saying I'm, I'm writing this down and I'm going to work towards this. And so that's kind of what I did is I made these goals. And obviously these are lofty for lofty goals, but, and at that time, did I think that I could do all of them? No, not really. But in my mind, I was like, why am I working if I'm not working towards big things? And so I think those goals really put a lot of stuff into perspective for me. It kept me on a track of working when maybe I, I didn't want to. And I think that if you're kind of struggling or in your, you're in a rut or something like that, write a few goals down because when you're out there practicing and it's getting tough, you're reminding yourself what you're doing it for, kind of. And I think that that's what I was doing at that time. I had a bad summer, my senior summer. And I really just wanted to kind of set my like restart and kind of get back on track. And I think that those goals were a good way of doing that and kept me working and kept me pushing. I mean, I, I could have been okay with being freshman of the year and then okay after we won an SEC championship. But then I look at these goals and I'm like, well, you're not a first team All-American. You haven't mm-hmm. won a national championship. So it keeps you working and it keeps you on this right track in my mind. And that's kind of why. I wrote those down in the beginning. No, that's well said. I, I mean, every I, Justin Thomas does it every year. I did it, and I only one time in my whole life, I guess, and accomplished every goal I had for the year, and that was back then. Now you can make a million dollars on the PGA Tour and pretty quick. But, <laughs> uh, it was to make a million dollars, yeah. be top ten on the money list, to make the Ryder Cup team, to win multiple tournaments, and, and I did that all in 93. But it, it kept me on something to strive for. They were high, lofty goals. Yeah. Uh, but it, like you said, when you get kind of down, it's like, hey, wait a second, I still got things to accomplish. Because you can sit back. Like you said, you all won the SEC uh, your second year. It was an incredible. I was actually on the call, which was really cool because uh, I, yeah. I actually knew everybody that was playing, and it was so much fun to watch you all pull that off. But you know, you, you all 
set that goal to be SEC champions. Take us through that week and some of the emotions you remember uh, and just kind of relive that because it was even bigger a couple years later. Yeah, it was it was so special. I played I played really well in stroke play. Um, I got second to Maria Fossey, who's a she's on LPGA tour right now, and she's just a great player. And so it was special for me to play well that week in stroke play. I I, um, I felt really good. We we kind of made match play barely. We got in on that AC, but um, it's just so special. And I mean, everyone says that to win these big championships, what kind of luck has to go your way a little bit. And I felt like we had a little bit of luck, but we. We had so much confidence, and we had such a great team energy. I mean, we go to the first, I think it was quarterfinals, we beat Florida. May got her, uh, got her on, like, the 20th hole maybe or something. And then we were just excited to make it to semis. When we get to semis, and we play well. And it was, just, it was just such a fun week. And I think that we kept thinking in our minds, why not us? And we, we said that a lot at the national championship, but it kind of started there as, like, we're playing great. We kind of have luck on our side a little bit. Just play well, keep playing well, and it was such a fun week. And it, it, it's definitely a week I'll remember for the rest of my life. And to see May kind of get to make that big putt, and Ken and I both went three and zero in match play. It was you, you couldn't wish it for better people. And so I was happy for the team. I was happy for Coach Corey and Coach Zach had just gotten in there. And so to have him with us at the SECs was just so much fun. It was such a special week. And Corey beat her alma mater, which I know that had to be tough for her, and we've <laughs> talked about that. But, you know, you, you mentioned Zach. Uh, what kind of influences he had on the team, That obviously coming in that spring? He's been a big plus for the program, don't you think? A hundred percent. And he actually today just got named associate head coach. So I'm really happy for him, happy for his family. He's He gives 145% to our program every single day. I mean, I've never met someone who you could call him at 9.30 at night wanting to talk about your stats and he'd be ready to go. I mean, he just – he loves it. He loves golf. He – when our season got canceled in 2020, I mean, he cried like a baby. And I'm sure he wouldn't want anybody to know that. But no. he was – he just cares so much. I've never met someone who cares as much as he does. And I think that that's his greatest asset as a coach is he wants us to play well. He wants us to, to win. But he really cares about each of us as people. And you can feel that. You can't fake that kind of stuff. And so we can feel that. And we want to play well for him because he cares so much and he cares about us. And he's just, he's been such a game changer for our program. He, he's an amazing golfer himself. And so I tell, I tell everybody this when they ask me what his strongest suit is, is he cares a lot, but he's also hit every shot that I'm trying to hit. And so I'll have a, for example, at regionals one year, I had his three wood fade around a tree. I've never hit a fade in my life. And I looked at him and I was like, <laughs> would you do this? He looked at me and he said, yes. And I stepped up and I hit that fade. And it just, he, he validates you. He makes you more confident. He's just, he's all around a really, really great coach. So what makes a good coach? Some of those attributes you said, or there's some other things that maybe stand out? Because it's got to be, it's different having a, a head coach and assistant. I always say there's one's a good cop, one's a bad cop, but it takes a pretty good, ma- uh, kind of a matchup there. But what makes a good coach? If you've got a kid out there looking and they're narrowing it down to two or three coaches, what kind of stands out and makes a good coach, in your opinion, that they may be some things they should be looking for? Yeah, I, I think, and this is kind of what I thought on the recruiting trail a little bit, was I wanted to find a coach when I was being recruited that I thought would talk to me the same way on that visit as they would a random Tuesday my sophomore year. Just I wanted a coach who would keep it real with me. I didn't want a lot of fluff. I didn't want someone to overhype the school or overhype their capabilities. I wanted someone who would be really, really 
honest with me, and I felt like Coach Corey does that really well. The Corey that you see on TV, the Corey that you see at practice, she never changes. She's she's very, and that's that's really helpful when you're not playing your best golf or when you are playing your best golf because she's so level-headed. She's so just determined, and and I think that that's a really that was on the recruiting trail. That was what I was really focused on. I didn't want a coach to kind of overhype the school or give me too much fluff because that's great on a visit, but then you spend four years at the school and you realize, oh, this coach isn't who I thought she was. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's big for junior golfers. Make sure that you feel like they're being honest with you. They're not overhyping the school. They're not overstating their capabilities because that's really important. And then kind of when you get to school, I personally like to have coaches who have a lot of golf knowledge because I think it helps me on the course a lot and it helps us in practice a lot. Corey caddied on all levels of golf. She caddied on the PGA, the LPGA. So I think that her golf knowledge is extremely high and that's played at all levels. And so his golf knowledge is obviously extremely high. And I think that that's really helpful for us in practice. I think it's really helpful for tournaments because they've seen the shots. They know what to do. They know how to perform out there and so that was really important for me and then just people who care about you I mean I genuinely feel like coach Corey and coach Jack really care about us as people and so that's that's really important too they they brought Kennedy in and they wanted Kennedy to be a good golfer but they really developed Kennedy as a person and, and her character and I think that that translated to the golf course too and so um I think those three things are pretty big for me there's obviously probably a lot more but um, if you're if you're recruiting and you're you're meeting coaches and they're kind of throwing a lot at you, make sure you feel like they're they're being honest with you and that you're getting their true self. Yeah, that's the toughest thing. I always tell kids, you know, when you get on the recruiting trip, and I don't mean this and that all coaches do this, but hey, they're serving you fillet and lobster, and you get to the college yeah. and you're serving it. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's true with everything. Sure. I mean, because they're they're trying to sell it and they're trying to do the most honest thing, and it, that's well said on that. But we mentioned Scott Hamilton. And he works with touring pros, both male and female, and, and he's, to me, one of the best instructors. And he and VJ Trolio, John Tillery are great friends, and they share a lot of information together mm-hmm. along with Timmy Overton. What's the biggest thing or the most important thing you've kind of learned from Scott working with him? Yeah, Scott actually sent me down to Timmy Overton. Um, I'd seen him and uh, Tim in high school, and mm-hmm. I, I saw him a couple months ago, and he, wow, he really helped my putting, and I felt like I putted really, really well this last semester. But... Scott, I saw. I started seeing Scott uh, last August after the USAM. I had a really, really hard summer last summer and was kind of seeing not a lot of growth in my game and, and was, and again, lacking a little bit of motivation. And so I, I had a few girls that I had known in college, some All-Americans, that had seen him, and I thought, why not? I've seen a bunch of stuff about him. I mean, he obviously has a bunch of tour guys in there, and, and I was like, why not? He's, he's somewhat close to me. I, I had just had a really good feeling about him, too. And so I went up there and – and met him for the first time. And if you know Scott, he's definitely a character. And <laughs> just felt really at home the second, like, you feel very comfortable the second you meet him. He makes you feel comfortable, and he's not a lot of thrill. You know what you're getting with him. And, I mean, we got right down to business. And kind of immediately I started to see see some progress with him. And it, it, took, it, it took a little bit to get my game really where I wanted it. But I owe a lot of my success from this past semester to him. I didn't finish outside the top ten once this last semester in college and only finished out of the top five I think once and so he really got my game to a very very consistent place and a place where I had a lot of control I think that that's 
one of the best things about swing coaches is coaches who don't make you reliant upon them. They mm-hmm. want to give you control and just help you have that control. And so I think if you're a junior golfer kind of looking for a swing coach, look for a coach who you can figure your swing out a little bit without constant like oversight from this coach. He, he really gave me that control of my game, which was, was really awesome. I can fix stuff now that I, that I see in my swing really without anyone, but to have him there is, is awesome. No, that's well said because I think that's the key. I think it's whether you're a Turing player, college player, junior player, amateur, uh, you, you can't – I don't say it's a crutch, but you got to be able to do it on your own. You mentioned Timmy Overton. Mm-hmm. And of course, he caddied for his little nephew uh, – he shouldn't say little – Cohen Trophy yeah. up to the U.S. Junior Finals. And Tim's one of the best uh, short game instructors, just a, a kind person and, and, and knows what he's doing. And those three guys – those three guys have been around. I've seen it. And I, I like the fact that they're good players. They know how to play the game. They've, they've coached against the best. But let's go back to that COVID year. You, you all got, like everybody else, it got canceled, didn't know what was going to happen. You go through that whole summer, everything was kind of messed up, and then you come back in the fall. But with all the new protocols this past fall, what was that like going through the fall, but knowing that you were going to get to play mostly against SEC teams, which is about as tough a competition as you get. But take us through that fall uh, and in the East Lake Cup when you all won that as a team. Yeah, we were we were really excited to, to play in the fall. I mean, we had thought when the season got canceled in 2020, we were like, okay, well, we'll definitely be back in August. We'll definitely get to play in the fall. And then kind of July starts rolling around, and it's like, oh, my gosh, are we even going to be able to play? And so the SEC was – I mean, I truly think it's the greatest conference, but they were big on let's get our athletes back out there. And um, we were really, really grateful for that. And we, we started out the blessings where we played the national championship um my sophomore year it was just a tough course but it was really fun it was a it was a a different experience we played um this was our first tournament back and so they kind of thought let's keep teams together we played a five-some with your coaches and your teammates and i remember what was that like that was it was a crazy experience i mean i think we played in seven hours and 45 minutes or something for 18 (laughs) holes and it was it was every team in the SEC, boys and girls. So uh-huh. you can imagine how much fun that was. I mean, but it was, again, we were, it was, it was long, it was hard, but we were grateful to be out there. And then we kind of kept that same energy. We were grateful to be at the East Lake Cup. We knew we were a good team, but I think a lot of teams kind of, not doubted, but they were like, wow, Ole Miss is at the East Lake Cup. And so to go out, to go out there and do what we did, we won stroke play and then we won the whole event. It was, we're a good team. And I feel like my entire career, I've been fighting to get people to realize, hey, we're a good team. And I think the East Lake Cup being broadcasted on Golf Channel, and I said it, I said it to Steve Rakowski, I said, we're a good team. And I just felt like that was one of the big events that really kind of got people to understand this is not a fluke. This is not just just a team that kind of shows up in match play. We're, we really are a very talented team that works really hard. And so, East Lake was awesome, and it was a blessing to get to play there. And I mean, I'm beyond excited to get to go back this fall. But it was just a cool experience, and I say it all the time. East Lake was probably my favorite tournament I've ever played, besides the national championship now. But it was just such a fun week. What's the you know you mentioned match play because the SEC is determined in match play and, and the NCAA's and NOE. what's it what's the biggest difference as a team? I know you've played and I've played a ton of individual difference in match play versus middle play. Kind of that mentality for the whole team. Yeah, match play is, is fun. I think I think we are a very good match play team. We we like the challenge of it. We like going head to head. Kennedy Swan is probably the best match play player I've ever 
I've ever experienced because she has no fear. She's not a, you could, she could be playing against Lydia Ko and she'd think, oh, I'm going to beat her six and five. Like she is, and I think that that is probably the best quality to have in a match play player because truly anything can happen, but you can go out there and I've done it before. You can lose the match before you even tee off. If you're afraid of your opponent, if you're afraid of her, her wagger or what she's done this year, I mean, it just doesn't matter. Match play is so crazy that, I mean, you could shoot nine under and, and still lose. And so I think that that any advice I have to girls is don't be afraid before you tee off because anything can happen. You don't know what you're getting from that girl this day. And I think our team is really good at that is not being afraid of who we're playing. I mean, Andrea at the national championship against Texas went up against Caitlin Papp, who's mm-hmm. arguably one of the best junior golfers to ever play and, and beat her in 20 something holes. And so I think that, we really pride ourselves in that. We pride ourselves in being confident and not really being scared of anyone before the match starts. No, that's well said because match play is, the, I think, the most fun. You, you, you're, it's you against the other person, and you could have your best day and lose. You could have your worst day and still win. So uh, I like that. You can't play f- afraid. Uh, there's so many coaches. That no. I mean, Chris Hackett, Georgia, said, I'm looking for kids who aren't afraid of the moment, and you all weren't. You had a pretty solid spring. You get to the SECs, not the finish you wanted, but you get a high seed. Y'all head to Baton Rouge. Unfortunately, it's rained out. Y'all still get to go to the Nationals. How did you all stay focused? Because I know there's a big controversy on the rain out and, and the cancellation. We're not going to get into that. That's not what this podcast is about. Uh, it's about <laughs> you know getting in those several weeks because I think everybody wanted to play that week, and I talked to all the coaches, make it or miss it. Y'all had several weeks off between the SEC and the NCAAs. How did you all stay focused, and what did you do to get ready for Nationals? Yeah, that was really hard for us because we really wanted to play. We played really well at LSU's home event. Um, we got second to them, and they, they had a great they had a great show in that week. And I love you, Club. I played it really well when we played the the regular season event there, and we all really wanted to play. I mean, it's tough because we felt like we 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 lost in SECs in the quarterfinals, and that was tough. And so we all of us were itching to get back on the golf course, and to not get to play regionals was tough on us. And then. Um, yeah, we had a long time, and I think, again, what our team is so good at is discipline. We we played a ton of golf in between regionals and nationals, and we played a lot against each other. We, we did a lot of really competitive things on our short course. We have this beautiful short course that is, I mean, it's just it's unreal our, what our facilities are, and we did so much stuff that is competitive out there. I mean, we, we do crazy practices, but they make us better, and they prepare us for that moment. And so we just tried to – keep doing that put pressure we had a lot of pressure practices we never really go out there and just kind of lollygag there's always something for us to do that we're being told to do and it's it's awesome because it keeps us it keeps us ready and I think that that's one of the best things that that we did in between regionals and nationals was we really stayed ready we were ready for the moment yeah you practiced with a perfect doctor purpose Dr. Coop, who was a sports psychologist at North Carolina, worked with oh, Payne Stewart, Ben Crenshaw, Corey Payne, me. Uh, and the same thing he would tell you is like, hey, man, you just got to practice with the purpose. You just don't go out there and just hit balls to hit balls. But all right, we're going to go through the best part of this podcast. We're going to relive the national championship. <laughs> so y'all get in there and, and, and you play Arizona. Uh, and I mean, I'll tell you what. Actually, you played Texas first, as you said, and you get in there. Yeah. That was a tough match because I felt like, and I was doing once again, I was doing the coverage, but I was in the studio. Y'all played Texas first, and I thought that is going to be the best match of the day because y'all were pretty equal in team. 
uh, talent-wise and where you were seated based on qualifying. But that let's take us back through that first match and, and just the, the feelings you had and just the emotions going in or trying to continue to go forward. Yeah, I always think that the toughest matches are those middle matches when you're playing, like when four or five are playing each other, things like that, because you're you're really pretty level in, in the talent-wise, and it's kind of who wants it more. And I um, unfortunately didn't have my best stuff that, that morning of the quarterfinals, and we had a freshman who got subbed in after Hume was, Hume was hurt in that first um, round at Nationals, and Smilla kind of really stepped up and, she was ready for that moment, and she, she's been working really hard on a few parts of her game. She was in and out of the lineup in the spring, but kind of worked really, really hard those weeks between regionals and nationals, and I think you saw it. I mean, she, she really enjoyed that moment. She, she loved it, and Dre, Dre loved it. She, I mean, she to go extra holes with Caitlin Papp and, and beat her like that is just really impressive, and again, Kennedy, who I believe is the best match play player I've ever seen just did what she always does and goes out and gets that first point for us. So I think when we finished that match with Texas, it was such a long match. We kind of got in there and sat down at the table for lunch. And it was like this overwhelming feeling of like, we have to win. Like, we, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Those feelings of like, you make it past the quarterfinals and, and you shouldn't have. I mean, after I finished my match, I sat there and I watched the groups come in and I said, we're done. And, I, and to get past that and to move past that and have Snilla do what she did, Andrea do what she did, it's almost like you have to win now, right? And mm-hmm. so that's kind of the energy we took into the match with Arizona. We had a lot of energy. And I know Arizona did too because they knocked off the one seed. But we just had such a positive attitude going in the match with Arizona. And I think a key thing there was we really didn't know a lot of their girls. And so, I mean, I I knew one of them maybe. And so we went into Arizona's match with no fear. We had no fear of who they are as a team. And we, we respected them a lot. But we kind of like, dang, we we got this. And so that match with Arizona was really fun, in my opinion. I mean, we all had a lot of fun that afternoon. And so that was really, really special. Don't you think close matches help you as you go forward in match play continuing on the whole week other than have a blowout? Uh, Don't you think they keep you focused as you go in maybe to the next match and the match after that, having some close calls, maybe some scares or whatever you want to call it? Yeah, I think so. I think it makes you a lot more appreciative of the moment for sure. I mean, you kind of scrape by a little bit and you're like, dang, okay, now I got to go give it my all because I just scraped by. You go win 5-0 and or 4-1, and you're like, oh, we can kind of cruise in. And I think that that's where some some teams kind of fell short was they maybe had a few blowouts and it's like, okay, we can cruise in a little bit. We didn't really feel like that. We kind of always, again, Ole Miss embodies the, the underdog. We felt like underdogs. And so we felt like we had to give it 110%. And so – I think that was good for us, and it keeps you on your toes. It keeps you – someone's good to be the underdog. You saw it with Stanford. I mean, they're a, a great team, but they were obviously not the underdog. And so you had some of their best players maybe not perform to the best of their abilities just because it, it's tough. It's tough to be that one seed. It's easier to come from behind a little bit. So I think I think it's good for match play. I think it keeps you in it. Yeah, it was kind of my theory. I, I love the underdog role. Pro, tell me I couldn't do something, I'll prove you wrong. And that's just kind of – that was me personally. I always kind of – took that role uh, as you said I love but that night you don't have a lot of time you know you got two matches that day you got to get ready for the nationals did you know everybody was flying out because I knew Chris Malloy was he he and I were texting back and forth and he said we loaded up a couple planes we're coming out I ain't missing this for the you know the thing <laughs> in the world and so I watched y'all get up that morning 
and the video of y'all just dancing and relaxed you seem like it and i told anna whiteley who was my co-host i said they're gonna win they just look relaxed but when you saw all those people mm-hmm. especially chris Malloy, who could motivate anybody to walk across the lake uh what was that like for y'all when you saw all those people and getting you ready for that uh, finals match yeah, it was, it was really exciting. Our athletic director had been there in the beginning of stroke play with uh, a Dr. Tosh, who's a close friend of the program. And um, they told us, they're like, if y'all make it back to the finals, we're coming back. And so that we were kind of hoping on that. I didn't know that night, I don't think, but we had talked about it a little bit that morning because we had a ton of time that morning. Um, we didn't go off until that afternoon. Mm-hmm. And um, my boyfriend actually flew in from across the country. He took a red eye. And so... I mean, it was just so, so special to see them all walk up. We were all sitting there eating lunch and to see Coach Malloy come up who, I mean, he cares about our program like, and it is, it is his own. I mean, we we are, we have the family environment for us. And so to see him come up and to see how excited he was, to see Dr. Tosh, to see our athletic director, it was, it was really special. And it felt like we had like a home advantage a little bit because we had all these, and I know Oklahoma State had people come in obviously, but have those people that are close to you and who care a lot about the program and who have invested in you. Dr. Tosh has invested so much in us, and so has Coach Malloy and, and all these people. And so to have them there, it was it was really special. And it kind of was like you're really going to make them watch you lose. And so you didn't want to do that. You know what I mean? You wanted to go and, go and win and make their trip worthwhile. And so that was really special. That dream became a reality that afternoon. You remember when you put your hands on that trophy, those emotions and that feeling? And you finally accomplished which one of the, another one of those goals, probably the biggest goal you set before you got there. Yeah, it. Um, I think it really hit me. I had a, I had an interview after we finished up. We were Coach Corey and I were back. We were on the 14th green, I think, and so we were kind of isolated. Which, um, I mean, that's kind of, I think that's pretty special because it started out just the two of us, and so it finished just the two of us too. So I thought that was special. But I did an interview and. He, he, he said it. He was like, he said the first um, national championship of any sport at Ole Miss. And when I heard that, I broke down a little bit because I, I mean, I had, I had gotten a little emotional, but hearing that was, it was really special because I felt like I always knew that we were capable of it. I always knew that Ole Miss was this amazing school and offered us all the resources we need to do this. And I didn't feel like a lot of people always felt that way. And kind of people kind of got on the bandwagon when we won SECs and, gone on and off but I just I always felt like we could do it and I know that coach Corey did too and so when I heard that when I heard the words from someone else it really hit me and I, I was pretty emotional in that interview but every time I watched it I, I tear up again but uh oh yeah it was, just, it was it was really special I don't know what was it what was the celebration like because uh, I know what happened the next day when you all end back at Oxford so the emotions are still right they had a huge gathering there but what was that that I guess that night what was the celebration like? Everybody just kind of like, whew, we did it. And you kind of have that letdown. But what was it like for y'all when you got together as a team and just kind of celebrate and look back at what you had accomplished? Yeah, we got we got a bunch of pizzas. And we, we went out by the pool um, of the hotel. And we all just hung out. We were playing music. And I think it really hadn't hit a lot of us yet. Um, it hadn't hit a lot of us yet. It was It was, we were still kind of trying to, I don't know. I mean, it was just, and it still hasn't hit me really, mm-hmm. but the, the night was fun just to be all together. And it, it was this whirlwind week. I mean, it, we, we got there two or three days early. We played at a different course. We practiced one day. And so it, we were all just exhausted at that point, but it was just fun to be together and 
enjoy each other without this the, the pressure there. I mean, it was just one of the first times where it's like, okay, let's let's really just enjoy this. Absolutely. Of course, the the reception you got at Oxford. One of my the cool moments is Corey and and the babies coming up there and hugging her, and it was really cool to see that. But uh, you know, it was, like you said, it was a dream year. It's a dream of yours. It came true. The emotions, the almost a letdown there. Is finally, hey, we accomplished it. People don't understand you. You enjoy it for that moment, and then. It all of a sudden, it, the moment hits you. You don't know when it's going to be. It maybe we pick the trophy. Maybe a month later. Maybe somewhere uh, in the fall. But uh, speaking of the fall, you've had a pretty quiet summer, which you took some time off. What's the? Uh, you're coming back to school again. You and I were just talking MBA uh, about to finish that up. So you're way smarter than me. So we can uh, we can agree with that. But what's uh, what's what's the plan for the fall and, and maybe some future plans for you? Yeah. So I'll come back for my fifth year, and I think. Um, that's obviously hard. And I've thought a lot about it is how do you kind of shift your focus back to the next thing? And I, I think the only way to, to refocus is to try to go win another national championship. I have one goal left on that list. I, I'm going to try to be the SEC player of the year and hopefully maybe win an Annika award. And so I have new goals. I, I'd love to go back to back with national championships. And so um, you just got to get back to it. I think that, I'm gonna. I'm getting my third degree, so I'm gonna get a, another master's degree in sports analytics with an emphasis in business. Um, in case I ever want to be an athletic director or do something along those lines, and I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the new girls we have coming in for the program. I'm excited, Coach Zach, my associate head coach. There's, there's a lot of things to be excited about for our program, and I think that that's something that Coach Corey and Coach Zach and I might need to sit down and just say, hey, how do we shift the focus back to to the now and to the present and to the future and what we want to do this year because I wouldn't be coming back if, if I if I didn't feel like we had unfinished business. I mean, I'd love to go back to back national champions. And so that's kind of you gotta you gotta reshift that focus. You can't really it's fun to, to go and relive those memories and we'll get our rings and enjoy that. But again, I wouldn't be coming back if there wasn't a purpose for it. And so I have new goals. I'm gonna write them down of course and just kind of kind of get back to it back to the drawing board enjoy my last year here yeah awesome well said because i think that's for with anyone it's always you gotta the things that the toughest thing is not to put the pressure and expectations on yourself and other people's expectations you just got to go out and enjoy the the ride and enjoy the journey you have uh but it's kind of like the way i end these podcasts is life or golf you may have only one shot y'all have made it count you're continuing to make it count i appreciate you being with us i know you're busy studying getting ready for the fall uh, I'm so proud of you, and uh, appreciate Thank you being you. on with you, babe. And, and good luck to you. I'm looking forward. I'm getting to follow, follow college golf a lot uh, with Golf Channel in the studio, so I'm looking forward to watching all yes, this sir. and watching you continue play. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Tell your family I said hi. Have a good one. All right. Thank you.